Welcome to the Fitness Candor Podcast. Your host, Eric Feigl, will be bringing you the truth about exercise and the fitness industry. You'll hear from fitness professionals, exercise science professors and researchers, fitness industry entrepreneurs and leaders, as well as people who simply love to talk shop. Stick around after the show to learn how you can get your topic in an upcoming episode. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Fitness Canner Podcast. Ashley Van Houten from the Paleo Magazine Radio Podcast uh, joins us today. Um, she's interviewed a, a lot of people in the paleo sphere and the fitness sphere, people like Rob Wolf, uh, Mark Sisson, Kelly Starrett, and most recently, who we just got on talking about, uh, Charles Poliquin. And if you don't know any of those names, you should probably stop listening to my podcast. <laughs> no, don't really do that. Keep listening to the podcast, but definitely go research those people. Um, Ashley... Uh, also is a, a paleo magazine contributor, uh, which is a magazine I also subscribe to, and a natural figure slash bodybuilding competitor, and she does uh, a ton more. So I appreciate you jumping on the show, Ashley. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's going to be fun. I think so too. So tell us a little bit more about you and specifically how you found, since like you're kind of in that paleo that you know niche or niche or whatever you want to say, how you got into that whole realm, and we can kind of take it from there. Okay. I, I like to talk. That's why I'm a podcast host. You can just like cut yep. me off at any point because I can just go. Um, my How I found paleo isn't like super exciting or unique, I don't think. I, I've always been really into like working out and fitness and I just kind of always had an interest in that. And I, I didn't really get into the nutrition side until probably a few years out of university, you know, when your like metabolism starts to slow down and you figure out you have to like take care of yourself and eat properly. Like we all hit that point at some point and I hit mine, you know, I guess in my sort of early twenties, um, I was into CrossFit and I, I learned about paleo through CrossFit. Right. And, uh, and it just like immediately made sense to me. I don't have any real food sensitivities. I don't have any allergies or issues like that. Um, but it, eating that way, I, I did feel better. And it just was common sense. Like it just made sense to eat real food and the food that ancestrally and historically and biologically were supposed to be eating. I mean, it just, it just, it seemed easy. It just made sense to me. So, um, yeah, so I, I kind of just started doing that. And, uh, and then I was doing a master's degree in communications and one of my classes was on publishing and I had to do like a case study on a magazine. And at the time I was getting into paleo heard about paleo magazine they were like newer at this time it was like 2010 or something and i reached out to kane the editor and i said hey can can i talk to you a little bit and learn about your magazine and he was nice enough to indulge me and let me do that and we kind of established a relationship there and then when i graduated um he was looking for somebody to write a story in new york which is where i was and i said hey remember me and and it just kind of steamrolled from there and i just keep bugging him to let me do stuff for him and uh and that's turned into you know, writing a couple different things in each issue and uh, I'm managing their social media. I'm doing the podcast. So I'm super pumped. I'm super happy. I love it. So let's, let's, so let's circle back a little bit. Yeah. What came first? Were you into like the figure bodybuilding style of thing first? And then you found that, um, that the paleo, what, let's go back even further. For those who don't know, explain a little bit about paleo and then we can kind of get into like, what is paleo for, for everybody who doesn't know? 
Yeah, so uh, I guess another word for paleo, because some people, I like the word, some people don't because people yeah, automatically kind of want to think like fat or, or whatever, you can yeah. kind of positive and negative connotations to, to a buzzword, um, but yep. it's basically ancestral nutrition. So it's eating um, closely based on what our, our ancestors and what humans biologically are meant to eat rather than some of the more modern processed um, agri post-agricultural kind of foods. So generally high level speaking, it's sort of trying to get rid of most grains, uh, most sugar, um, and anything that kind of comes in a package and is full of preservatives really. So it's like yeah. meat and vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds and healthy fats and um, you know, it's, it's not a restrictive diet at all once you kind of get over the fact that you don't actually need 12 servings of grains a day to survive, right? Which is what right. we thought. Um, and, and, you know, you can still have it. I mean, I, we try not to be super dogmatic. I think that one of the cool things yep. about where the world's going today is, is towards a more personalized nutrition approach. So it's like, here, here's the basic rules. Here's what makes sense, okay? This is the way our bodies are designed to eat. And then from there, you can experiment and play with what works for you. So maybe yeah. that means that you eat rice sometimes, or maybe that means that you don't really do well with fruits. So you never eat fruit. I mean, you kind of just play with it. Yeah. Um, but but the, that's sort of the general kind of feel and then of course with that there's there's lifestyle aspects that go with it too so it's it's you know the idea of movement and and trying to move your body a lot in ways that are natural um exercise that's meant to kind of keep you strong and mobile without overdoing it and adding to your stress uh, right. the whole idea of kind of being exposed to light and fresh air and and the earth and and good community sleep, all of those things yeah so so again it's like you don't you can you can take the bits and pieces that that kind of really resonate with you but it's just sort of trying to live a bit more uh, like we we did before you know the internet and twinkies and stuff yeah and I like the way you put that because I think uh, especially within the past like decade or so it's really obviously caught on it's more of a lifestyle than it is anything else yeah. and, but it's not like that thing it's not like a you know if you go out with some friends who you know don't live that kind of lifestyle you can choose to have a, a cocktail choose to kick your heels up a little bit have some like you know something that you normally wouldn't have it's totally paleo come on yeah 100 percent. look first of all if caveman if they didn't have it but they you were introduced they sure as hell would have, have tequila, to heal yeah. they'd be like yeah i'm having that yeah but uh but those kind of things, like making the decision to, to have X, Y, and Z and knowing that it's not like your, your every day, but also when you explain to people, like we're not trying to reinvent or like reenact, re, re you know, the Paleolithic era. Right. This is like we're trying to accompany as many healthy uh, choices and lifestyle aspects into what we currently have. Yeah. And it's, it's a really over the top for most people to think about, like, holy cow, how can I reduce blue light or how can I get a little bit more activity or, you know, but like you said, like a lot of people think of it as like this dogmatic, almost like cult type of lifestyle. And it's not that at all. It, I think it's a lot simpler than, than most people think it is. And most, like most media make it out to be, um, and it's, it's about taking little steps too. like yeah, yeah. every day you're going to be exposed to screens or you're going to be, you know, sitting at a desk for too long, or you're gonna eat the donut because you feel like it. It's like whatever. It's life. It's part of life. It's about yeah. trying to make the best decisions for you as much as you can. And then when those little things come into your life, it's not that overwhelming and it's not that bad. But yeah. it's 
you know, so many people I think are living a life that's so contrary to the way our bodies are supposed to, to be in this world that they feel bad more than they feel good. And that's mm -hmm. not okay. And I think that the closer we get to, to doing what our bodies crave and what they need, then I think we're, we're better off. So and that's and to individual that, too. Oh, go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it looks different for everybody. There's some mm -hmm. basic kind of high level things, but I mean, it's, it definitely looks different for everyone. And to answer your earlier question that I think is, is interesting because a couple of people have asked me this recently about whether I found sort of paleo or bodybuilding. Yeah, first. there you go. Um, I actually came into bodybuilding after, which I think is, is different. Um, so I had been, you know, paleo and not a hundred percent, but generally paleo for years and years and, uh, you know, doing CrossFit and doing powerlifting and doing jujitsu and all kinds of different sports. Cause I like to try new things and learn and be active and all that stuff. And people have been telling me for a while, like you should, you should do this figure thing. You should do this bodybuilding thing. It's basically like just a CrossFitter who diets for a little while. Like you, I think you'd be really good at it. Like whatever people are kind of telling me this and I'm thinking like I could, what everybody says, right. That I could never be that strict with my diet. Right. So I'm like, nah, I'm going to do this. And then a few years ago, I kind of just decided, let's give it a try for something to do. Just another goal, just another kind of experiment basically. And, uh, and the prep was not fully paleo. It was pretty close, but, um, but not fully paleo. Um, but I, I really quite enjoyed it. I learned a lot about myself and about nutrition and about the way the body responds to this kind of, um, this kind of plan. Um, and I, I did pretty well. Um, and I'm actually thinking now I took a little bit of time off, but I'm thinking of planning on doing another prep this spring and doing it really like fully paleo. And not only that, but, um, with a more low carb, high fat, not keto, but low carb, high fat approach, which is traditionally like, well, it's the opposite of a traditional bodybuilding diet, bodybuilding right. diet tend to be like super high carb, super high protein and like no fat at all. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my new my new project this I guess this spring. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. Yeah, that's the yeah you're going like totally against the grain, right? Yeah, yeah. Like as, as new science comes out and the more we learn about the body, the more we realize we really don't know shit about the body. <laughs> like it's just it's unbelievable because the science of I mean all these studies that that come out um, that are published in you know 2017 or 2018, barely into 2018. Yeah. You look at them and, you know, they, they, they started back in like the early 2000s or the, you know, early 2014 or something. So it takes a long time for all this stuff to catch up. So yeah. by the time it gets to people, there's already more information out. So sifting through all of that yeah. um, is a big part of it. Where do you, because I know, you know, you look to people like Rob Wolf, Mark Sisson, people you have on your, on your podcast. Where, what are some other sources that, that you recommend to people when they're trying to learn about like the basics of eating paleo and living that kind of uh, healthy lifestyle? Yeah, I mean, first you just gotta like listen to every single one of my back podcasts from yeah. radio. Because really, I mean, we've had yeah. like, pretty much every big name you can think of. But I think you know the big ones to start with are people like Mark Sisson, especially because he really comes at it um, in a reasonable. Um, and accessible way like some of these guys tend to get pretty sciencey and like pretty like drilled down which is great and it's it's good for it to be there but some people need something that's a little bit easier to digest right no yeah. kind of so he 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 puts it out there in a way that anybody can read and understand and even like his new book the keto reset diet and we can talk about keto if you want or not but even that he he brings it to you in a way that 
makes you think like, I can understand this, I can get my head around it. So I think Mark Sisson's a really, really great resource. And just go like, go to these guys' websites and like, go to like about what is paleo, like what is the primal lifestyle, all this stuff. Um, Rob Wolf's great. Um, <clears throat> Art Devaney's great. Chris Kress is yeah. really good. Um, all of these guys. I mean, Paleo Effects, the, the conference that we, Paleo Magazine sponsors every year. It's in Austin in April. Um, all of the big names are, are there and it's kind of like, that's the place where everyone gets together and, and learns from all these smart people. But um, it, there's so many resources right now. It's almost like yeah. it's, it's overwhelming to kind of try to sift through them all. But, um, but like you said, because it's, it's individual. So some people might be looking at like, how do I implement paleo for my family? I've got a bunch of young kids. And in that case, there's um, a really popular blogger named Michelle Tam and she's the owner of Nom Nom Paleo. Oh yeah. yeah. These amazing recipe books and this cool podcast. It's very family friendly and inclusive and really cool. There's the, um, the paleo mom, Sarah Ballantine, like she's great. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's folks who are more involved in like, you know, if you're into training hard or trying to like improve your body composition, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but I mean, those are, those are great starting points. And then you kind of drill down from there really. Yeah. So if someone was coming to you and they said, I want to get into paleo, what are like the top three things that you would recommend? Or do you have something like that? Or recommend them yeah. to, okay. Recommend them to do. Yeah. <sighs> It's tough. That's a tough question because I mean, because it is super individual. But it's not even really that tough. It's just that the biggest the biggest hurdle is not the things you have to do to be paleo or be healthier. The biggest hurdle is wanting to make those changes badly enough because yep. most of us on some scale are living our life imperfectly. Right? We're doing things that maybe aren't ideal for our body or our health. Not me. Or right? Yeah, yeah, you're perfect. But besides yeah. you. Um, but a lot of people, they know something isn't right. They know they aren't feeling great. They know that maybe their food isn't on point or maybe their sleep could be better. And they recognize this, but they aren't quite at the stepping stone to where this is so dysfunctional or unpleasant that I want to make these changes because it's mm -hmm. intimidating and it seems scary. Um, and starting, beginning a habit is much more difficult than maintaining a habit, right? So. Yeah. So it's that kind of cusp where it's like, I know I'm feeling it. I'm thinking about it. I kind of want to start research, but like, I'm not really ready to take it there yet. So my struggle and I do coaching as well. And my struggle is determining whether someone's really ready, like whether they're really ready inside to make those changes because yep. people aren't going to, unless they're intrinsically motivated to do it. There's no right. amount of me yelling over a podcast, like you'll be healthy and feel so great. That's going to change someone's mind if they're not ready for it yet. Right. Right. So, I mean, if you're ready and you, you are proving to yourself that you're ready by, by being willing to make significant lifestyle changes, um, I think some of the biggest things are like focus on your sleep first. If you have an issue, if you have yep. poor quality sleep, it's figure out how to make your room dark and cold and with no electronics and figure out a sleep routine before you go to bed that calms you and gets you ready for quality sleep and figure out a schedule so that you're getting as many hours as you need, like get your sleep sorted. Number one. Yeah. Um, number two is cutting just the straight up shit from your diet mostly. Yeah. And yeah. that's not me nitpicking about potatoes or, you know, lentils instead of, this and that. it's like stop eating like actual pizza and coke on a daily basis i don't know you know whether you are or not but everybody can like cut that down a little bit right um 
And that's the biggest, I mean, so many people that have come to me for, for help. It's not me telling them like the ideal vegetable mix. It's like, don't drink booze during the week. You'll exactly. feel a million times better. And they lose 10 pounds. It's like high level things, you know? Yep. Um, so that, and then the other thing that I've been really like touting a lot lately is, um, and, and because I was just chatting with Kelly Surrett on the podcast and he kind of reminded me of this, is the concept of non-exercise movement. And that is really trying to incorporate a lot of low level, easy movement during the day, yeah. aside your exercise. Because so many of us, and even us like, you know, type A people who think we're really on the ball, we work out super hard for an hour a day and then we are like sitting around the rest of it. Um, and that one hour does not make up for 23 hours of not moving. Um, right. But conversely, if you're somebody who wants to get in shape and you don't have time or maybe you just aren't ready to go into the gym yet, incorporating non-exercise movement all day is going to help you feel better and lose weight more than going to the gym. It's more important. I have so many women who are coming to me and they're like, give me workouts. I want to sweat. I want to work hard. And I'm like, try walking 10K <clears throat> steps a day first, right? And they don't want to do it because it's not sexy, but that it's so important. And it's like so natural to our mechanics and it's so natural to what our bodies want to do. So yeah, just like move, move a lot. Yeah. Just get up and move every half an hour. Even if people think yep. you're crazy or if you have ADD or whatever, get up and just move around. Yeah. Um, I walk everywhere, try to like take the steps when you can, like just those little bits added up over the course of the day, make a huge difference. So those are like the main things, but as you can yeah. see, no, that's, that's good because um, when people ask, you know, they don't typically come to me for you know, quote-unquote paleo advice, but I always tell them like first dial in your sleep. If you're trying to make overall changes, dial in your sleep. And so that's like, that's, that's your title. And then there's a lot of subheadings underneath that. How can I do that? Well, when do you eat your dinner? We can back this up. We can, you know, tinker here and there. There's a lot of different things that affect your sleep that you can kind of write down and then and make adjustments. Well, um, I'm going to turn off my TV 10 minutes earlier. Then I get, then I get brush my teeth 10 minutes earlier, I get to bed 10 minutes earlier, tiny little chunks like that. Right. Then, so you start transitioning those habits and then eat better. I, I say like, don't even worry about cutting something out of your diet. Almost like keep it just as it is, but also add in like a cup of broccoli, you know, get the steamable bags, just add that in. Like at every, try to do, let's say one meal a day for the first month and then make that two meals. Something small like that's huge. And then as far as like exercise, it doesn't have to be like this seven day a week, you know, you know, split. It, it can be two to three super simple, um, either like mobility based, like doing some um, very simple yoga moves during the middle of the day. You're going to look goofy if you have like a desk job and you're like in the middle of a cubicle and you're doing some cat cows and, you know, yeah, some stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. But you can do some like some basic roof backs and, you know, get that thoracic spine nice and healthy and, and open sitting up. Um, and moving around for like one minute, take a lap around your desk for one minute during, during a phone call, those kind of things, like you said, go a long way in yeah. that order. I would say like sleep, nutrition, and a little bit of exercise, like the minimum effective dose. Yeah. We're and, on the same page. Yeah. And, and that's going to be different for everybody, but start with one. Don't hammer all three of them. Yeah. Let's just, let's just do one. What's the most feasible? Well, I think the most feasible right now, I've got 18 kids. I've got, you know, a job. I work 23 hours of that. Uh, probably nutrition. Okay. Well, let's start packing like little snacks or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also really like to tell people too, I, I agree completely with what you're saying about doing it sort of incrementally and, and small steps and building on it. Cause I think that's absolutely necessary. People yeah. like to do things cold Turkey and, and change 
immediately and that's extremely difficult. One thing yeah. I like to do for food and I do it for myself and I'm trying to like reset is make sure that my breakfast is perfect. And I know a lot of people don't even eat breakfast. I'm not talking to you people because I don't understand you people, but people <laughs> like to eat breakfast, get your breakfast on point because it's it's one meal that you get out of the way and you know it's good. Even if your breakfast is like a bulletproof coffee, whatever. Make sure yeah. your, your breakfast is on point and good because then you're setting up your body to be nourished and have the right energy and feel good. You also, when you eat shit first thing, then it's like, wetting your appetite to want to eat that stuff the rest, the rest of, the of the day is down the hole. Yeah, exactly. So if you can like get one meal in, at least, you know, you got that one good meal, you feel good about yourself. You feel like you accomplished something. You're less mm -hmm. likely to want to eat junk the rest of the day. And then that's starting the like positive sort of, you know, steamroll. So yeah. And that's, and like I said, that's what I've been starting. Like after the new year, I was like, all right, get my breakfast back, back right. in order. And then like the rest of it kind of comes with it. So yeah. And I tinker a lot with that myself. I, um, um, since, you know, like, and I don't want to jump right into this right away, but you know, the whole intermittent fasting thing is kind of in, in the airwaves, which is, this is nothing new. Uh, it's been around literally forever, but, uh, especially in the bodybuilding scene, like these guys are thinking, you know, you idiots. Yeah. We've been doing this forever, <laughs> but, but you know, like, uh, I, I'm starting to learn in the past, probably like two years, that whole breakfast thing, which I, you know, bre eating breakfast is great, but like you defining that to someone as, um, when do you break your fast? If that breaking your fast is 12 o'clock, then great. That's your breakfast. So that first meal, whatever that looks like, make it the best. Like you said, that's spot on. I think uh, another really big going along with that is just meal prep. And that alone can be kind of daunting in itself, prepping meals for the entire week. Um, my wife and I have it pretty easy because we have like that little white dog, my sound guy that you saw. He doesn't bother us too much. He cleans up like scraps as we drop carrots. Convenient. Yeah. Yeah. It's super convenient. And, uh, so no kids. So we spend a couple hours on Sunday getting to prep food for the whole week. Yeah. Right. So that's easy for us. And then every day when I come home, we like, we have the exact same ritual. I come home, I clean out my canisters. I refill, refill food. Boom. Done. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, and I think, I think food prep, you don't have to get like too, too like worked up over it. You know, one of the things that I've, I've learned over the last couple of years and I, I try to, get people to sort of change the way they look at, at food prep a little bit in that, you know, people want to complain about, I don't have time to make dinner and I'll show them that like every night, I, one of the things that I'm trying to get in shape and trying to get fit and trying to lose weight. And there's lots of evidence for this, that eating sort of repetitive kind of meals and simple meals is, yeah. is so that makes it easier for food prep. Right. But mm -hmm. every night I'm making some variation of like roasted vegetables, and either a fish or chicken or beef, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, maybe it's ground beef, maybe it's a baked chicken breast or chicken thighs, maybe it's, you know, some salmon, whatever. Literally, you put all of those things I just described in a pan in the oven at 425, and then it comes out a half an hour later and the food's done. Like, this is not hard yeah. work, it's not daunting. No. It doesn't right. make it simple food, if you're getting good quality ingredients can, and the right spices and you play with it, can be delicious and super simple. And I think in the world that we're in today where we have this instant gratification culture, we expect everything to be super easy and super mm -hmm. quick. And so if we can't have healthy food as quickly as we can have McDonald's, it's not worth it. And one of the most important things in life, culturally, you know, physiologically is food. It's, it's the act of eating it and making it and sharing it is super important. It's a huge part yeah. of culture and life. And there's nothing more important personally than what's going into your body. Um, so if it takes me a half an hour to make dinner or even more, like I'm okay with that because it's important. Right. 
an important part of my day. And yes, you're right. Like I don't have kids either. So I can say I, I have that time, but I, I, I know a lot of people that um, have much busier lives than I do and have children um, that can make it work because it's about prioritizing your time, right? There are certain yeah. things that are just, that are important. And I think food is one of them. And so if that takes some time and some investment, I think that it's, it's worthwhile, right? I mean, something you're doing mm. multiple times a day, so you might as well make it good and fun and enjoyable and, yeah, you brought up a couple of different uh, uh, good points because the I think there are a couple of pretty easy self-sabotage that people get into when it comes to, to, to meals. Number one is placing the blame on on somebody else or something else. Like saying, well, you don't understand what it's like because I have kids. 100% I have no idea. I've seen it on the outside. It looks crazy. Terrifying. It looks <laughs> really terrifying. Yeah. But but if you can make it, like you said, it's, it's one of those things that everybody has to do. You know, you, you say to your friends, Hey, let's go grab a, a bite to eat. Hey, let's go grab some coffee. It's something like it's communal. So why shouldn't the act of making it be that way with your family? If you can show your kids, if you start to learn how to like do that, that simple meal prep, like you said, of just X, Y, and Z put in the oven, talk to your kids about helping them, you know, break up broccoli or whatever it is, like get them involved in it. And then maybe that makes it easier. Maybe, I don't know. Another thing is the whole variety aspect. I think people self-sabotage when they see like, uh, I'll take pictures of my, my meals and I'll, I'll put them on Instagram or something. They're like, it just looks like you have the same, you know, four things all. I'm like, I do have the same four, four meals all week long, but it doesn't bother me because I know they're done and they're, and it's good. And then I change it up the next week. Like, yeah, exactly. You can the next week. Up. But we make the exact same thing for our first meal of the day, breakfast. It's the exact same thing. And I think if you just get it into your head that you're setting yourself up, setting yourself up for success. And if it takes you, you know, if you're eating the salmon and broccoli and blah, blah, blah for the next six months, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, you know what? I haven't changed this and I'm okay with it. Then, then don't, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. And then you might have a grasp on like something different. What's that? Decision fatigue thing too, right? Because if you mm, yeah. every day you have to look in your cupboard and pick from ten different types of cereal or three different types of bread and jam and whatever, it's like just yeah, you pick the staples that you like and and it's it's ironic too because people people thought it was weird that I would do these preps that are like three or four months of this of, you know a relatively limited food because I am actually somebody who is a pretty adventurous eater and you know people my friends joke because i eat the things that most people are scared to eat which again i think are most of them are either things that people elsewhere in the world eat or at least historically ate like i'm really into eating sort of like the guts and the offal and the intestines oh, wow. kind of like the organ meats and stuff which are are by far the most um, nutrient dense parts of an animal right, right. Back in the day, when people were actually hunting and gathering, they would they you know kill an animal and they'd eat the heart and the liver and they'd feed the muscle meat to their dogs. So we're we've got it all kind of messed up these days. I think it tastes delicious personally, but you know, and I'm into like the insect protein and I'll eat some bugs oh, and I'll yeah. eat, like, I'm willing to try anything. And I I have never really met a protein or a vegetable or anything I didn't like. I'm certainly not a picky eater. Um, so for me to be able to say, I'm, I want to eat everything in the world, but I'm going to eat these 15 or 20 things. Um, but it's, I don't see it as a sacrifice because again, we have hopefully, you know, if we're lucky, we have a long life. We have mm -hmm. lots of opportunity to eat when I'm feeling bad about myself and saying, how come I can't eat this cake? I think how many times have I eaten cake in my life? Oh, oh yeah. Times. How many times will I get to eat cake in my life? Many times I have this choice. I'm an adult. I'm making this choice, as you said, because yep. I 
know it's helping me achieve my goal. And when I've made these decisions, it's not about decision fatigue and it's not about restricting yourself. It's that's become part of your, your schedule. And I think the biggest thing for, for physical activity and for a workout practice is to stop acting like it's a chore or a thing you have to do to be healthy. If yes. it's a part of your life, just like you have to get up and brush your teeth and go to work and take care of your kids, all of those things are things you have to do. And exactly for the most right. part, you hopefully don't complain about those things because it's your life. That's your life. Those are the things that make up your life, right? So yeah. you don't have to think every day, do I have to, I have to take care of my kids today? Should I yeah. do that? No, because that's a thing you're doing, right? <laughs> so if you add some kind of physical practice into that too, it could be yoga or CrossFit or going for a walk or running or bodybuilding or whatever, but when it, it's something that's literally just a part of your life, like yeah. eating dinner and brushing your teeth, then you don't have to agonize over it or feel like you're being put out by doing it because it's just a part of, it's just a part of your life. Yeah. That finding, um, even for myself, I don't know about you, but, um, so I, you know, I, I train full time and just like, like Monday was my training day and I had uh, 14 appointments in a row. I had like a half hour break, ran, got some coffee. And I, I put it in my calendar, workout. It's there. It's, it's like immo immovable. Every Monday, typically Wednesdays, discovered today, got some other stuff going on. Um, so it'll be tomorrow. It's already on the calendar. So I look at the calendar. I'm like, great. Right after Joe Schmo trains, it's my turn. Right. And then I've got lunch right after that. And it's just bang, bang, bang. You know, if, if, um, if you want to make it a part of your daily schedule, you will find time. You will make time. Yeah. But, um, and I also think, do you, for the, for a day like that, do you yeah. get into, and we can talk about it, but do you get into like keto or do you do your fasting because you know, you have these long periods where like, you're not going to be able to eat and you've managed to kind of work that into your lifestyle. Is that something that you've done? So I don't, I, um, I've dabbled with keto. I haven't actually gone fully into it. Uh, I do I, Dex. Sorry. So he, uh, he's going crazy. He's probably a delivery person. Um, so, so I, I do intermittent fasting, but I just switched it to where I'm, I finish eating really early, um, kind of early evening, five thirty, six o'clock. And so I'll now I'll eat, especially if I look at my calendar, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I'll I'll look and say, Oh great. I have like a half hour break. So I'll get to pound food in the morning. And then I get to go like later on in the day. Uh, I won't, you know, eat anything like when I work out. So I don't have a problem, um, eating fast or, uh, working out fasted. I feel better. I feel more focused when I do that. I don't feel um, like limited in any in any way. So I I like the idea of of uh, having a long morning, maybe with like a, a short break for a breakfast if I get something in, and then going like five or five hours without anything, training, eating again, and then maybe I'll eat like something small when I get home and I'm done. Yeah, and I don't have to think about it anymore. So for me, that's not a big deal at all. Now, when I was doing like um, when I was doing like a 16 hour fast, now I'm doing kind of like 13 ish, but I was doing like 16 to, to, to 18 kind of depends. Getting into that was kind of rough, but once it actually started, I almost didn't want to eat. And I, I, I don't know, I, I, for people who aren't doing this, you might think like, oh my God, you have to eat, but we don't have to necessarily get into that. But even, even when I like, well, maybe I shouldn't make my workouts as hard today, but even if I just went balls to the wall with the workout, I still felt great. I still felt recovered the next day. Like it was totally fine. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm able to tinker with it. I don't even put much thought into it. It's like, great. If I can eat beforehand, awesome. If I eat after, fine. That's great. And I yeah. think, you know, you know, you're, you are eating in a way that supports your 
your health and your function the best when you can do stuff like that. Because whether you do keto or a higher carb or whatever it is you're doing, I think mm -hmm. being really beholden to your eating patterns is a sign that things are a little off because it's the whole sort of like sugar crash and glucose and you need all the carbs to keep you going. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you hit a point where food, you want to fuel yourself, obviously, and you want to be nourished every day, but where you don't have to plan every single hour around when you're going to eat. 100%. You know, you're sorted out, right? So. 100%. Yeah. Like I even have, uh, uh, sometimes I'll have like, I'll have an hour or we'll have a half hour blocked out. It'll just say lunch. Yeah. You know, like I would move that around before I'd move my workout around. <laughs> I'm like, right. I'll just have a shake before I go back in. And sometimes like that's all I need and I feel great. Yeah. Uh, what, what about you? Like what, what is your um, what do your workouts look like right now? Are you, are you mentioned keto a couple times? Are you dabbling with that? Are you going into like, um, more high carb, low fat, probably not high fat, low carb, maybe. Yeah. So I, I was dabbling with keto a little bit because I was just, I was interviewing. It's so hot right now in this, in our, you know, industry. And it's like the next evolution of paleo for a lot of people. Um, that's a whole other kind of side story, but yeah. I was talking to a lot of people who are keto and they were having such, such success. And I'm like, I keep talking about it and learning about it and reading about it. And I should try it before I speak about it personally. And, you know, as I've said, I really like to experiment with things and try things. And, and I naturally gravitate towards a generally lower carb, higher fat, sort of higher protein approach left my own devices than like the standard um, diet. So I was like, all right, this isn't going to be a tough transition for me because I love to eat fat anyway. So I spent yeah. about yeah. a month um, and I didn't do like the blood glucose, like I didn't get that deep into it, but I followed the protocol and like tried to be, you know, well under 50 grams of, of carbs and all this stuff. And yeah. I did not enjoy it at all. Um, and you know, I normally am like around maybe 75 grams of carbs and even just taking it down that little bit really was not worth the trouble and the stress for me at all. Um, and I also, I feel like I'm unique. I feel like I'm the only person who says this, but I, it's very easy for me to overeat fat. And a lot of people say that huh. the biggest part of a, the big, one of the best things for people who are trying to get their weight under control with keto is that fat is so satisfying, right? That you can yeah. eat less food overall. And fat is, is certainly much more satisfying than carbs are. Right. And I agree with that. Um, but it really does. There is still that element of like calories in calories out, right? Calorie yep. restriction to lose fat. And I'm a smaller female and it is very easy for me to eat three or four or five tablespoons of almond butter. It's very easy for me to eat a couple Super. handfuls of macadamia nuts. And that's absolutely all it takes to completely set off your, your weight loss or your, your body composition goals. So for me, it's a lot harder. I'm not going to eat four bowls of rice, but I no, could but eat a jar of almond butter in a day. You know? So anyway, this, again, this is kind of my personal journey, but, um, so it, strict keto was not for me. Um, and I also don't think that I'm, I don't think that I am the target audience for keto either, because I feel like keto has been proven to be really effective with people who are suffering from very specific illnesses, yep. um, people who are very, very overweight and, um, who need some kind of like, you know, nutritional intervention that way. And then sometimes it's been shown generally for men to be a little bit more effective for some endurance, um, athletes, things like that. Um, for a small bodybuilder with a big appetite, it's just, it's not really cutting it for me. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, um, I, I am still planning to approach this new prep that I'm doing, um, with a, 
a low carb, high fat approach, which is again, the exact opposite of what most bodybuilders do. It's generally really high protein, really high carbs and virtually no fat. And, uh, and I'm trying to do this in a way that is, um, supporting my health as well as the, 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 the conditioning goals, because, you know, bodybuilding is not the healthiest sport in the world. And it also can, can sort of attract a very, um, dysfunctional and unhealthy lifestyle. It doesn't have to be that way, but it can very easily be that way. Um, and I really want to approach this prep. Um, I've always been very reasonable, I think, as far as the industry goes in terms of, you know, making sure that my health comes first and, and not doing any real damage to myself. But I want to try and do it now, like working out as little as possible, um, eating as much fat as I can get away with, um, and eating still whole foods and not relying on like, um, you know, <clears throat> pre-workout type of stimulants and things like that. Sure. So I'm, I'm really, that's my aim. We'll see how it goes. That's what I'm really, I'm trying to, to work towards. But um, as far as the workouts go, I, for a while, for years during my first few shows, I was doing again, a very traditional bodybuilding style thing. I was in the gym about six days a week. Okay. Um, I was splitting up. I was doing, you know, back one day, chest and, and arms one day, shoulders, legs, um, and doing, you know, lots of functional movement for sure, like deadlifts, squats, bench, um, and then all the kind of fun accessory bodybuilding stuff. I like that stuff. Like I, I love watching pumping iron. Like I'm a meathead. I love that yeah. stuff, but I, I think that I, I know enough and I've researched enough that I know that you kind of need to incorporate all kinds of stuff. You need to incorporate mobility stuff and these like, um, you know, really functional movements, um, as well as isolation exercises and all that, that stuff. But I was in the gym a lot. Um, and I, I, I don't want to say I burnt out, but I, after a few shows, I was like, I'm kind of getting tired of doing this all the time. Yeah. So I took some time off. I got into jujitsu for a while, which I really enjoy. And I, I still like to do that beats you up in a whole other way. Oh. Um, but this prep, I want to try and really not be in the gym every day, which again is, is not common in the bodybuilding world. Bodybuilding world is how many hours can you, can you, go in that gym and move weights around. And I right. just, it's, um, you know, it's stressful on your body. Even if you enjoy doing it, it's, it's stress and it prematurely ages you and it, it can mess with your hormones. It can do all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. um, I, I really will feel that I will be successful in this, uh, experiment if I can, um, remain healthy throughout the entire thing and remain sort of happy and all my blood markers are pretty good. And, oh, and nice. I still get abs for a couple of weeks. That's kind of the plan. So let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Look, what, what does your, like, are, are you doing like Monday, Wednesday, Fridays kind of thing now? Like what, 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 what are the uh, workout levels look like? How long are you in there for? Uh, yeah, what's your so, rep schemes look like? So I'm not, I'm, I'm not like fully in prep yet because I'm, I'm okay. actually looking at, there are a couple shows in the spring and based on when that show is, I work back about four months for like the official, like real prep. So right now I'm just like, trying to get my head around getting back into the zone of eating very cleanly. And then yeah. the workouts have just been really intuitive. So I'm basically doing like one heavy lower body. I'm, I'm trying to, instead of doing like arm day, I'm trying to do like upper body push, upper body pull, lower yeah, great. Body, more broad scope stuff. Great. Um, 
So I try to do like one heavy lower body day where I'm either doing like heavy deadlifts, heavy squats, and then some like glute thrusts, some, some weighted lunges, some like heavier, um, really taxing stuff. Yeah. And then later on in the week, I'll do something that's a little bit more like plyometrics, body, body weight, um, stuff for the lower body. Okay. And then I will do like some fun push day, which is like bench and all kinds of shoulder pressing and shoulder yeah. Um, upper body another thing that I'm kind of maybe a little bit atypical especially in this like hugely proliferating world of online fitness where it's all about like booty stuff and like chicks uh. with, like squats and lower body cool like it's getting girls in the gym squatting that's awesome but yeah. I've always kind of been the opposite because I for whatever reason genetically I have a much stronger upper body than a lower body like and it actually kind of made me sad sometimes because you see these girls getting into crossfit and they're they're barely fit they barely know what to do and in like three months they're squatting like 220 and i'm like what is going on but but i was always really good at upper body stuff like i could do pull-ups like really really quick no, I, could, I have a little bit of a gymnastics and a swimming background so i've kind of got that upper body thing but like i love when i was doing powerlifting, like bench was always my favorite um lift and so anyway um yeah so back day is my favorite shoulder day is my favorite and nice. they'll just be i try to do a lot of really compound exercises and um and I switch it up to from some days it's really right now. It's how I feel like if I'm feeling strong and I'm feeling good, I'll go in there and try to do lower reps, heavier weights. If I'm maybe feeling like my energy is a little bit lower or I've had some heavy days earlier, I've had a stressful week. I might go in and do lighter, um, lighter weight, higher reps. It's literally just how I feel. I'm yeah. not following anybody else's plan. I'm not following a specific plan. I'm just going in there. And, and again, I've been doing this since I was 16. So I know right. when I'm working hard and when I'm getting something out of it and I know how to maximize my time and, yeah. um, yeah. So I'm just really kind of just doing what I enjoy, which is awesome. Yeah. Just tinkering again. Yeah. Just kind of figuring it out. Yeah. I did the, um, I did the, the whole, uh, and I'm not like a big split guy. I just like to go in, get it done in one time. I like try to hit like everything I can and then move on within like 45 minutes. But, uh, I did the upper body push pull, like back to back days for a couple of months. And now I don't, I don't, I've never, I don't have the, your kind of background, but, um, uh, my strength was through the roof, but my workouts were, maybe 20, 25 minutes. Um, but like my, but my, my upper body, um, seemed to re recover a little slower than my lower body just because it was, I had one lower body day and I would just do squat, deadlift, lunge, leg extension, and some other stuff. And it was done in the middle of the week. And then I would do some like dumbbell work for upper body again, and then barbell work for upper body again, back to back days, yeah. push, pull. And then I would be done. I take the whole weekend off and I come back to it. Yeah. But now I'm doing kind of a Monday, Wednesday, uh, Friday, full body, head to toe, nice. um, heavy, hard. And I'm just like, I like keeping stats. I know people don't, you know, you don't have to do this, but keeping records, I, I love doing that. And I just, every couple of weeks, just up the weight, up the weight, yeah. decrease reps, those kind of things. And um, again, though, it's just, it, it's all very individual. So, um, well, this has been awesome, Ashley. I appreciate you you telling your story and uh, and getting some good information out there. If people have any other questions, comments, concerns, where's the best place to reach you? So the best place to reach me right now is on Instagram. Um, my handle is the Muscle Maven, and I am very um, 
I'm very happy to talk to people on there. I'm working, one of my 2018 goals is to actually get like a, a real website up and running for the, the things that I offer so that people can find me online. And I'm, I'm nice. gonna do that soon. But but uh, yeah, Instagram's the best way to do it. And also, um, if you wanna check out the podcast, you can go to Paleo Mag online, um, which will tell you all about the magazine and the podcast, or you can just look up Paleo Magazine Radio on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Awesome. And uh, just so everybody knows, like how often do you, do you get to um, add to the, the magazine itself? So the magazine is uh, once every two months. So there's, there's like eight or nine issues um, mm -hmm. a year and I do the, all the product reviews. Um, so it's pretty, okay. so people get to send me all kinds of fun paleo treats and supplements and gear and I get to test them out for people. So um, that's one of the jobs that I do. I usually do a, um, a business review in the issue. So I talk about either a restaurant or a company or an individual that's doing something really cool in the health and wellness space. Uh, I do blog reviews um, and blogger website reviews for all of those millions of, of websites that are up there trying to you know, give paleo information. I'm trying to sort through them for people. Oh, nice. um, Good. So I've got a couple things going in, in, in every issue. Um, and, uh, and the magazine, I mean, I'm biased, but like <laughs> I started writing for this magazine, I read it front to back. Like it, it's awesome. These are amazing, which everybody yep. loves a good recipe, but it has like the perfect mix of there's always a couple pieces about like the latest science, um, in terms of wellness, like sleep science or, or, you know, how to supplement or how to, how to eat and how to work out all of those things. And then there's, there's articles about like herbs and natural remedies and yeah. natural medicine and functional medicine. And there's movement articles and like, there's so much there um, that I just feel like smarter when I read it. So I'm so, I'm so lucky that like a magazine that I would want to read anyway, I get to be a part of it. It's just, it's the best. And everything in it is so digestible. Like they take little bits and pieces and they just break everything down. So when you flip it open, you're not overwhelmed with all this different content and sifting through science and they give you like little bits of everything. Yeah. You turn the page and you're like, holy crap, I get to make this awesome meal. You flip the page again, you're like, oh wow, I get to work this out. You know, it's, it's cool. And just so you know, I'm not full of crap. Like here it is on my iPad. Yay! So I've got, I've got this subscription. I've been a subscriber for uh, it's a, it looks like I've got episode or uh, ones on here from like 2011. That's so, great. See, so yeah, like yeah, look at the magazine. Look at a young go. Rob Wolf. Look Rob, at that stud the man himself. And you we were just <laughs> talking about how I um we have Paul Quinn on the podcast this week. Yep. So yep. anybody who's into if if you listen to this long to this podcast, you're into like working out. You definitely yep. want to talk to this guy because he's got like the best biceps of the biz. He knows yeah. what he's talking about. So every yeah. the guy the guy is a freak and he's been doing it for like since the dawn of time. No, I don't know how old he is exactly, but he's he's been in the business. Exactly. For a I long just time. like just looked this up. I think he's like fifty five or something. Yeah, and so, he looks like he's impressive. like thirty. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got guns like people half his age would kill for. So yeah, yeah. he's a he's a beast. But yeah. anyway, Ashley, I, I appreciate it again. Thank you so much. People I hope I hope people do reach out for you and uh, good luck and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic or be a part of the show, get in touch with Eric on any social media platform at Eric Feigl or email fcp at ericfeigl.com. Make sure to check back every Tuesday and Thursday for more fitness candor.